0: We are diving into our second week of this new series called No Offense. And last week, uh, we were just talking about common questions of the faith. And we talked a lot last week on uh, what does it mean to be a good person? And we asked the question, don't all good people go to heaven? And if we talked last week about being a good person, then this week we're going to talk more about what is the good life? And asking the question that I'm sure we've all felt before or, or interacted with before. Can't I just live my life my way? Can I just live my life my way? And it's a question that, that, that really, I think, from the beginning, uh, when we're ch- kids, you know, we see our kids uh, cry, mine, and it's just like this, this attachment, like this is, I want that thing. I, I, there, there's something in us that seem to be perpetually going after our own way, and it, it, it starts there, and throughout the rest of our lives, we go after, uh, seem to be, just be wired to go after whatever we want. And uh, sometimes those are big things, small things, but we're always going after what what might make us happy. And it brings me to the question I want to start with this morning: What is your vision of the good life? What is your vision of the good life? We all have our own visions of the good life. That's the truth. Growing up as a as a kid, I, I, I loved playing with Legos. This is a picture of me uh, playing with Legos, uh, building Lego spaceships. My favorite Legos were were Star Wars Legos and, and so I you know I build them and, and, and fight battles and then tear them down and do it all again the next day. And you know, there's a there's a small part of me, a vision of the good life that it would just be so amazing as an adult to do the same thing, you know. They're the marketing to adults nowadays, and so I'm like, look at all those collector's editions of all these Legos I could collect, and I'd just love to just b- buy them up and display them and maybe even go back and, and you know fight you know when, when my wife is not in the house and never, no one's looking, like, let's have a battle so I don't, you know. Um, but that's just kind of like a, a fun vision of, of, of a good life, that it would be fun to be able to do that as an adult, and it's just one version of that, and it's a pretty innocent one, one that I've pretty much chosen to leave behind, but it's there, but we all have our own visions of the good life, some that we're actually living into, dominant visions of the good life, and so again, I I ask, what is your vision of the good life? What is your vision? What is your version? If your life consisted of having anything you want, living any way you want, doing anything you want, what would that be? What would that look like? From the moment that we are born as, as human beings, we're, we're grown, we're, we're shaped to be certain kinds of people. We are given certain kinds of, of longings, certain kinds of dreams. And that's from the experiences growing up, from our families, the family values, the, the things that we in, encounter and inherit, these visions of the good life from our culture that we don't even realize that we're inheriting. And we start living into them. Sometimes it's not just from family and friends, from experiences or culture, but sometimes it's even visions of the good life from our faith, which can be a good or a bad thing depending on what those visions are. They all converge and we live into these things. You see, the truth is your dominant vision of the good life will drive your life. Your dominant vision of the good life will drive your life. Ultimately, we all want this. We all want the good life. We want to live it our way to go after the thing that, that we think is best. But What does God happen to say about this? What is God's way? What are God's visions of this thing called the good life that all humans want to live into? That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Throughout the Bible, there's many places that talk about our ways versus God's ways. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that appears right to a person, to a man, but, but in the end it leads to death. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 says, my, uh, God is saying, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. We want to ground us in this teaching of, of Jesus. We're going to spend a lot of time in Matthew chapter 7 and chapter 17. So if you want to open, we're going to start in chapter 7 and, and kind of jump around. But Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount, his great teaching, the kingdom manifesto on how to live in the, in the kingdom, how to, to live as his disciple. It's, it's kind of the centerpiece of the gospel of Matthew. He says this starting in verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the way that leads to life, and only a few find it. This can be a very haunting verse, challenge to us. But when we hear this passage, I think our default is to think of of the afterlife. Jesus is saying, Oh, well there's a there's a clear path, it's a narrow path, but a clear path that leads to eternal life, to heaven, after we die and there's a broad road that leads to, to hell. After we die, but I don't think that's really the heart. That might be part of, but I don't think it's the heart of what Jesus is saying in this teaching in Matthew. I think he is inviting us into a different way of living now that there is a narrow way to live in this life now. That eternal life starts now, and he's inviting us to walk in it. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. What might that look like for each and every one of us? We're going to start by talking about the world's way. We're going to jump into what is God's way. And then we're going to look at what that might mean for our way forward. Sound good? All right. As I mentioned earlier, there, there's, there's something in us that just wants us to, to have our own way. But, but what is our way? What, is, by, what I mean by that is our collective way, the, the way that we as Americans tend to live in the direction of. The, the way that we've been raised in, and I think from personal experience and just paying attention to the, the world around us, whether it's social media or, or politics or, or just your workplace, whatever, we all pick up these. It's, this is common to all Americans, probably even beyond that, to humans. These are the things that, that we want to go after, success and flourishing. We're we all about that prosperity, wealth, financial peace. We, we want a just society, something that's built on right and wrong. We want equality for everyone. We want to have a comfortable home that we can own and, and live in, that we can be safe and secure, and we want good food, amen? Yes, yeah, that's my favorite one, good food. We want to eat around the table with people we love, family and friends. We want good health. We want to just be progressing, growing, individually and as, as a culture life liberty the pursuit of happiness we want good sex we want fulfillment and purpose in our life maybe more than anything in our culture we want we want freedom we want our choices we want to be able to make whatever choices we want from whatever direction we choose and what if i told you that, that, that these things are not necessarily bad what if what if i told you that, that god wants these things for you too that the Father in heaven wants these things for you as well. That the root of these things was ultimately found in God. And you might be saying, whoa, Samuel, is this a, is this a pros- prosperity gospel sermon? And you just be like, health, wealth, and, 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 and all the good stuff, and Jesus just wants it all for you. Like, well, not exactly, but yes, God does want these things for us. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God, the Father wants us to, to flourish. The problem is where we choose to go to find this life. And so I want to ask I want to pause, and I want you to ask yourself this morning, where do you go to get these things? Your security, your financial peace, your good relationships, where is your hope placed? Where do you go to get these things? Many of us go about our way, our own way. We're not either not patient enough or whatever, we we go after them on our own, we can't. Wait on God for it. We want the things of God but are hesitant to go to God as the source of these things. We seek the gifts but not the gift giver. And there's consequences for this. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, politically, religiously, socioeconomically, no matter where you are, the default way of this world when we do not live with Jesus leads to Destruction. And it is influenced by what Paul calls the principalities and powers, the forces of, of, of evil and darkness in the heavenly places. That our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against these things that take root in our culture, in our lives, and in our flesh. And there's, there's many, many things we need to be aware of, but I, I want to sum it up with three big things that are, I think we face the way of, of the world, the world's ways maybe seem good going after these things that God wants for us too, but we, deep down, it's the pursuit of these three things. The first is the pursuit of more, the pursuit of more that, that we just, we go on Amazon, it's like, oh man, it's starting to realize what I like to buy and it's sending me these recommendations and I just, I, oh man, I want that, I want that. And then, you know, because technology is, is, is magic and or uh, just creep, creepy and creep, creeps on us. It's like I, it's starting to show up on every single one of my devices. And it's like, man, I, that'd be really great. You know, for me, I, I love board games. I was like, I was looking up some board games the other day and then, oh, look, some more board games I can buy. I like, It's just there, the pursuit of more, whether that's stuff or or, or more money or more whatever the things of this world, greed. We find our security in the pursuit of material possessions, money, and other things. The pursuit of more is the first, I think, demonic principality that is underneath our culture as we pursue the the good life. The second is the avoidance of death, the avoidance of death. We live in a culture that, that wants to pursue eternal life apart from, from god we want to avoid suffering we want to avoid hardship we want to avoid the consequences of anything bad we want to be all cozy maybe we'll see some stuff in the in the news but in our daily life we want to avoid these things we want cushions against it we want to be comfortable and we 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 don't want to see the things that are, are cause death and suffering in the world our whole culture is trying to cushion us from Experiencing those things, things that other cultures see every day, throughout the day, and so we we, we consume and we go after things. That at the end of the day, are not the way of life, but the way of death. The third one, maybe the most. Most powerful one in our, in our culture is the illusion of self-fulfillment, that we are going after the things of the self, selfish pleasures, self-indulgence, lust, individualism, the pursuit of, of who we are, our image, and, and what image we bear in society, and maybe especially online, social media, the, the illusion of self-fulfillment. We all feel the pull of these three things, the pursuit of more, the avoidance of death, and the illusion of self-fulfillment. But underlying all of these things is that we want to go after the the things of God apart from God. Something that that theologian Mark Sayers says that, that our culture, we want the kingdom without the king. We want the benefits of the kingdom without the ways of the king. And it's not even our desires or our longings, the the good things that God has placed in our hearts that are necessarily bad. In fact, our desires are not too much for God. Oftentimes, they're not strong enough. They're not enough for him. God wants us to want. C.S. Lewis says this. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We are drawn in so many different directions, pursuit of our own ways and the ways of the world and the temptations and the things that that maybe start as good but become something bad because we're misplacing them. Why are we so hesitant to turn to God then? Why is our culture, why in our hearts do we turn away from the one who actually can fulfill these things? Why don't we want the king? One answer among many is repeatedly we see big studies reveal one of the main reasons people don't look to God is because they believe that God is too controlling over how we want to live our lives. They don't want the king because they think all the king cares about is the rules that we live by, is the thing, the the expectations that that we're called to to live into. They don't want God because God, you know, is just ultimately a cosmic killjoy. He doesn't want me to to have what I want. Here's three kind of versions of that that I think we maybe all have resonated with, with one or two of these, and we see whether we are Christians or, or you're just visiting or, or even those out in the culture, how they perceive God. The first is this. God's ways are no fun. God's ways are no fun. We think that God, because he has all these, these rules and things that he lists out in Scripture, he, he, he's, not, he's anti-joy. He doesn't want us to have a good time. He just wants us to sit quietly and pray and have sincerity and discipline and you know go off and 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 fast and all he wants is obedience. That's all. That's all he wants. He's no fun. That's one way of seeing God. God's reality. Uh, the, the second one. God's ways are outdated. They're outdated. We think maybe okay. Maybe back then you know they were really crazy, really you know off off the rails very often. You know lots of death and crazy stuff. And God, you know, some of his rules that was helpful. You know. But not anymore. We've evolved past that. We've progressed past that. And we, we no longer need these, these things. We, we've, we've arrived as humans. We, we know what, what's best for myself and everyone else. Except for maybe, you know, we'll, we'll keep the, the human dignity and the equality pieces. You know, we'll, we'll keep some of the things God had. But we're going to throw out other things like sexuality and the way we, we live in the public sphere, in the spaces out there, that's gonna be a private religion and, and not a public kind of life. God's ways are no fun. God's ways are outdated. God's, and then the third one, our ways are better than God's. If you don't resonate with the first two, this is something that, that we all at some point, it's like, you know, maybe God has some good intentions and his rules are pretty you know decent, but, but I think I could do it better. I think I could, I, could, I could do it better. My ways, you know, maybe I could have written some, some of these things down. And at the end of the day, These things lead to the reality that we believe God's ways are in the way of the good life. That God's just in the way. A flourishing of all that list of things that I I listed out at the beginning. We want the kingdom. We want our kingdom. Probably more important. We want our kingdom. We want our good life that comes with it. But no king, no one telling us what to do. We want to have it our way. As here's what I want to ask us this morning and each one of you this morning. How is that working for you? How is that working for you? How are you handling the, the endless bills and financial stress of life? How are you handling the, the, the mundanity the, of an unfulfilling job, a job you, just, you hate? How's that going for you? How are you handling the, the death of a loved one or the, or the death of your marriage? Are you flourishing in the midst of that? How are you handling the loneliness of a life lived online and not physically with other people? The stress of overwork, disconnection with your family. How are you handling these things? How's that, how is that going for you? The loss of a job, the unexpected life event. How are you handling the tension and division present in culture and, and, and in your friendships and your family? between all the crazy things happening and all the different views on everything, how are you handling that? How are you handling the anxiety and pressures and expectations that you put on yourself that others place upon you? How's that going? You know, if most of us were being honest, something that I just mentioned probably hit us or something else that I didn't. How many of us are actually flourishing, experiencing what we think is the good life? The the data is clear in our country over the past couple decades. Depression, anxiety, division, stress, anger, suicide, divorce, they're all in their eyes. Happiness, contentment, peace have all fallen. We're not collectively experiencing the good life. How many of us are actually flourishing beneath the facade that we came in here with? The masks that we put on when we walked into this building? And even if none of this is your current reality, which if that's the case, you know, praise God. I'm sure it has been, or sadly it will be. We're promised trouble in this life, in this world. The truth is, the pursuit of our kingdom our own kingdom without the king and his kingdom isn't working and it never will some of you saw probably a couple weeks ago a couple Mondays ago there's a, a, a football player his name is Demar Hamlin and he's on the bills and um, was playing uh, you know he he made a tackle and he collapsed went into cardiac arrest and it was you know if you were watching it it was one of the most heart-wrenching kinds of things the reaction of the players and and everything that happened it was just kind of crazy very surreal and you know, you see these things, you know, 9-11 and some of these, you know, shootings and these crazy things. But it was just this, this one man, this one player captured the heart of really the entire country for, for, for that night and the days waiting to see if he was going to be okay. And he has since recovered. But it was fascinating. Some of the ESPN commentators, one of them, his name's Dan Dan He He led a prayer on air for this player. And you can go back and, and, and watch that or read the transcript. It was really, really cool because that doesn't happen very often. But um, I want to actually point out something that, that uh, Dan's friend Nick Wright uh, said uh, of the prayer that happened that day. He, he said this, that the prayer made me a little envious in that moment because I'm not a person of faith And since then I realized I didn't have a foundation or a higher purpose or something in the face of inexplicable tragedy and it's left me flailing and I've been a little envious in that moment and ever since. There's something in us, in our lives, in our culture knows there's something missing that when hard things happen, when we experience suffering, we know that we are meant for better, for the good life, for this thing called the good life, that there's a better way out there. And we just want to know what it is. But what is that way and why should we follow it? What is God's way? Let's answer that question. If we're to fully embrace God's way, we need to understand that his way is good. God created the world out of of love. He created us out of, out of love. I, in the Genesis account, after each day, he said it was was good. And then at, when he created humanity, he said it was very good. And though we have fallen and gone our own way, that was our originally intent, uh, the way he created that, that we are meant for goodness, for flourishing, to be with God, we think his rules are arbitrary, but they're in fact inviting us back into a deeper way of, of living and being that we were intended for. If if your child is, is is walking around and the stove's on and they reach for it, you're gonna say, Hey, don't touch that, that's hot. And you're gonna keep doing that, but maybe, maybe from a distance, you know, say, Hey, don't touch that, and then and then they three or four times it's like they touch it. What's gonna happen? They get burned. And they're hopefully going to learn from it. And in the same way, God has created us to live in a certain direction, to live fulfilled kinds of lives in the direction of his goodness and joy and fulfillment. And when we live against the grain of the universe, against the way that he intended things, we get splinters. And it's not because God hates us and needs us to follow all the rules. It's because he loves us and wants us to experience what he intended for us. His goodness expressed in creation. But ultimately, we need to be shown the way. That's that's why Jesus came. That's that's why we're here. That's why we gather around the name of Jesus Christ. There's a story in Matthew 17. Matthew 17, the first couple verses. It's Jesus. He's taking his closest friends. He takes them up the mountain. Peter, James, and, and John. And this crazy, crazy thing happens. There he, Jesus, was transfigured before him. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. They go up on this mountain. Jesus turns bright white. And you have Moses. The representation in the Jewish culture of the law, of the rules, of the regulations, of the the religion of of their day, and and the prophets, the the ways that God is calling them back to the law, and all the ways that need to be set right and corrected. And you have Jesus in the middle, and Peter. Notice Peter's response. He's like, hey, let's put up some tents, some religious tents, so we can celebrate this moment and, and live into this religion. And here's God's response, the father's response, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well. Please listen to him. And a cloud falls and Moses and Elijah disappear and they realize that it is just Jesus standing there. The law, the prophets, the rules, the religion, the standards, they are fulfilled and and embody in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the point. He is the revelation of God. We're to listen to him. He, as he says in his own words in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the narrow gate. He is the way. And while God's ways, indeed, as we read in Isaiah, are higher than ours, He has made His ultimate way known to us in the person and the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ. Of Nazareth. He is the way not just to this thing called the afterlife, but to life and here and now, eternal life with God now, that, that all the longings of a heart can be fulfilled in the person of Jesus here and now. Does that not sound like good news to you this morning? Because it is. It's not found, our fulfillment's not found in rules. Or in religion, but in relationship to Jesus. He is the way. And he says, eternal life is this, that you would know the Father and that you would know me. That's it. Everything we're looking for in one person. When he laid out his kingdom message, the kingdom has come near It is in your your midst. It is available to all. He ends by saying, repent and believe the good news. A a paraphrase of that might be, rethink everything you thought you knew, knew about this life. Anything that might lead you towards the good life and put your trust instead in me. Set aside your ways and trust in me as the way. His way is the gateway to true success, true wealth, true justice, true relationship, true freedom. But how are we to walk in Jesus' way? We return to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, and he gives this teaching to conclude all of his wisdom and all of the, what's often said as rules. The sermon answer is a list of rules. No, it's a list of invitations to a life that is eternal life with Jesus. He ends it with this Parable. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And in the crowds, as we also should react, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. We need to be reminded that Jesus is the King. We want to build our own kingdoms. We want to go our own ways. We want to have the things of the kingdom without the king. But Jesus is the King. And through the King, we are able to experience the gifts of the kingdom. We remember that he is our teacher, our master, our Lord, our, our rabbi. That when he teaches, we are amazed. Or we should be that he holds the authority over our lives. The question is, will we listen to him? He clearly says here that those who hear my words and put them into practice are like those who built their house on the rock. But those who hear and do not obey, who do not put things into practice, their house, their foundation will fall. The great crash. He expects us to obey him. And, and the reality is that the freedom that we crave is found in the rules we avoid. In the way of Jesus, in the invitations for us to live differently. God designed us to live in a certain way with him. That's the key, to be in union with him, relationship with him, not apart from him, but in relationship with him. And, and when we when we live into this invitation, This is the truth. When we practice the way of Jesus, we obey the way of Jesus, and we live in the truth of Jesus, then we experience the life that he has for us. This is the kingdom invitation of discipleship for each and every one of us who want to walk with Jesus, who claim to not just be a, a cultural Christian, but a follower of King Jesus, a disciple, an apprentice of the one who knows the answer of how to live a good life, the one who lived a good life himself, the wise one who knows how to live. And so we end this morning, we ground this morning with this question, what are the invitations of Jesus on your life? What is he saying to you that you need to listen to him? What are the things you've already heard that you need to put into practice? There's a guy, his name was Francesco Bernadone. He lived at the height of the Middle Ages. He came from a rich family, used his wealth on anything and, and everything he wanted. He went after the good life. And then he joined a, a, you know, a, mini, a little skirmish war with another city locally, and he became a captive. And during his time as a prisoner, he heard the voice of God. And the voice of God said, build my church. And as anyone who meets God for the first time is like, oh, look, a church. It looks run down. I'm going to go build it. And so he put all his money and his time as he left captivity and, and he rebuilt a church. And, and while that's kind of funny in, in a way, this man, he, he started living into other ways of Jesus, giving to the poor, sacrificing of his time and his wealth, and, and he became one of the, the greatest Christian examples in history. His name became St. Francis of Assisi, and he started one of the greatest revival movements and orders the Franciscans in all of Christian history in the 1200s. What is Jesus saying to you? What is the voice of God saying to you? What do you need to listen to this morning? And what do you need to to live into, to obey, to put into practice this morning? To hear and to obey. For me, I had the privilege last week of, of going on a, a, a retreat with a bunch of young adults, amazing young adults from, from our community. And, and I just heard I need to spend more time in silence and solitude with Jesus. That I've been living a good life and, 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 and trying to be with God, but, but I have not been getting away with him enough that I'm too easily drawn into community and fun things and the distractions of work and life. And I just need to get away with them. And so that's what I'm going to be living into. That's what I've heard. And now it is my turn in the coming days and weeks and months and years to obey, to put into practice in my life. What have you heard from God? Maybe it's in the area of relationships that you, you know, Hey, I, I have some broken relationships that I need to mend and, and forgive. and Maybe it's in, in the area of finances. You, you're just having a hard time and you need to trust that God's going to provide. Maybe lay down your pride and ask for help. I don't know what your invitation is. I can't tell you. But I can tell you that if, if you don't choose to obey, to put it into practice, you will not experience the life of flourishing that Jesus has for you. Maybe you you just don't even know how to hear the voice of God. And it just starts with being with him in prayer and scripture and community. And there's lots of ways to do that here at first. You can reach out and just ask, hey, I need some help. It's not shameful, it's part of the journey. How can you be with him so that you can learn and discern his voice in your life? You can't obey if you don't hear his voice. What are the invitations of Jesus? We're going to have a series coming up in a few weeks that's going to help with this as well. It's a commit series, and we're going to have some uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to invite anyone who wants to, and we're going to have specific things for you to pray over and to think about in in the coming year. So maybe you're just going to, Maybe your your next step is just to to pray in that direction. Hey, Lord, would you be speaking to me in the coming weeks, in the coming series, that I might hear your voice and be able to live into it. We started this morning with the question, why can't I just live my life my way? And the truth is, you can. You can choose to live your life however way you want. God in his sovereignty and love for you allows you to do so. We can go our own way. But here's the truth that I want you to hear this morning, that Jesus has a better way for you. The Father has a better way with him in the direction of his kingdom and not the kingdoms of the world. The question is, will you follow your own way or will you follow Jesus' way? Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your example. We thank you for your wisdom, your words that you speak to us. We pray that we would have quietness of heart and life to know what you're saying and the courage and the strength to obey. To walk in your ways, that we might choose to follow your way, live in your truth, and experience your life. May it be so this morning and every morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen.